and whatever and, and a little gift for them. And uh, if you'd like to bring a card to, for both of them, and we'll probably have a card here to try to, thank you, Daniel, uh, to try to get everybody to sign it as well, uh, or cards. There's two of them. Um, now, we don't expect them to split the card, do we? No. First John, chapter 1. I'm going to try to look at the first, or actually the verses 5 through 10 this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and read from the very beginning and read the first 10 verses to you uh, to give us some context. Beginning in verse 1 of 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that uh, we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Father, we thank you for your word. We trust and pray that it is in us. We ask that you would speak to us this morning. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to each of us individually and also to us collectively as a church body. We recognize that we have fellowship with each other because we have fellowship with you. So continue to do that work in our lives. To continue to build and to form us into the image of Jesus Christ. The word of life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.
So we've looked, we spent the last two weeks looking at, at, at the first couple of verses of this chapter. And then in verse 5, John goes on to say this is the message. And so he is, he is an eyewitness as he's declared to us several times in the first four verses. Not only is he an eyewitness, but he was also a hearer, observer, and he touched the word of life. Now he's going to tell us and define for us the content of that message. And it's, it's a little nebulous, um, a little nebulous. Um, there are several things that are in the Bible that describe this idea of light and darkness. And I was actually going to do a handout for you. I'll try to have that for you for next week. Sometimes it's not always good to hand out handouts because everybody's buried in the handout and they're not. Anyway, I can just pass out the handout and say, last person out, lock up, you know, <laughs> because they don't always want to listen, but that's fine. Um, but, and, and I'm, I'm not going to go into that this morning, but there were, are several instances in the scripture where it takes light and darkness and defines light as those things which are of God, but it also defines darkness of, uh, that are those things that are, that are of uh, the prince of the power of the air, Satan. And, and yet, uh, we also see in Psalm 139, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, speaking to God, but the, uh, the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. And so are, there are those times that, that our lives can feel very dark. And, and, and Phil and I were talking about this a little bit this morning about, about with the quarantine and the pandemic and all that and how some people were just really felt like they were in a real dark place as they walked through it. Other people were like, great, I've got some peace and quiet finally in my life, you know. And so, uh, you know, your mileage obviously does vary in those things. But even in those dark times that at least appear dark to us, we're we're called as children of God to seek the light in that darkness, to, to, to seek God's voice, to to follow him, to walk in his ways. This idea of walking, which, you know, this, this whole passage is full of metaphors. Light and darkness is a metaphor. Walking is a metaphor. Uh, and and it's, it's a, a picture that describes something, uh, something else, usually something with much greater content. This idea of walking refers to our lifestyle, how we are living. How are we living in a lifestyle of light or are we living in a lifestyle of darkness? Um, and and what, did, what do these things say about us? What do they say about God's nature? Um, a lot of different questions. The more I looked at this, the more questions I had. And, and at the same time, going, asking the question, how does this really come down as far as how we are to live? Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 27 um, tells us that the, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So the light can be a metaphor uh, for salvation in the Old Testament. Um, and, and again, it's all over the New Testament particularly, and that was what the handout that I was going to put together for you uh, was all about, is, is that light is this idea of walking in, in or living in under the uh, submission to the authority of God and what God has uh, declared in his word. Now, do we do it perfectly? No. 
Some of us do it a little bit more imperfectly than others. How's that? I just went to a negative on you. But I think that that's truth. And, and yet you can read this passage and you can just pretty much just beat yourself up over it. But what John, I believe, is attempting to do is he's saying this is a message that we have heard that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He is completely light in that that he is that when you think of a place that is completely light, what do you think of? First, what the ability to see. So, if you can see, then as you're walking through a place like that, you're able to negotiate any hazards, right? You have the ability to see, and the ability to see also helps you discern which way to walk. It helps you discern. Plus, you can see if there's dangers. You can see the, the, the things that you need to avoid, the pitfalls, if you will, uh, in life. And, and uh, so you have this, this declaration that, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And then you have these th- conditional sayings that begin with, if we say. And so, again, we have to really grasp about what it means to walk in dark light, not in darkness. John chapter 3 talked about that men love the darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. So what's, what's, what's the advantage of walking in darkness when your deeds are evil? Is there an advantage? Yes. What kind of advantage? People can't see what you're doing. People can't see what you're doing. And people whose deeds are evil, who walk in darkness, are motivated by all kinds of things that are really unhealthy. One would be shame. And and sometimes shame is guilt that's gone off the rails, right? Right? There, there is, but guilt can be actually become a good thing because it drives us to what? It drives us to repentance. As the, the, the pastor of the church that both Mary and I grew up in, he used to say all the time, sometimes you've got to hear the bad news before you hear the good news. And so this idea of guilt can drive us to repentance. Or it, 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 if we turn inward, it becomes a... a becomes a manifestation of shame. So we want the covering. We want the covering. Darkness also cloaks our dishonesty. It cloaks our dishonesty. Now, I'm not talking about cash register honesty. And if you've ever been to AA, you would understand that term. About how honest you are with your dollars and cents. How honest are you about yourself with yourself. How, and therefore, if you are dishonest about yourself with yourself, then you are dishonest before God. And you are dishonest with God. Because you're living this relationship with God that's not based on honesty, but it's based on dishonesty. So therefore, you've got to pull the blinds down. You've got to darken up the room so that you're not found out. Walking in light, conversely, is, 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 now there's a balance to this, all right, okay? Because I don't think you bear your entire soul to everybody. 
all right? But walking in light is having the courage to face who you are. Your good parts, your bad parts, your in-between parts, and recognize that in spite of those not-so-good parts in your life, that God loves you anyway. And, and not only does God love you anyway in your imperfection, but God loves you enough that he doesn't want to leave you in your current state. Now, are you ever going to attain perfection? Paul and Peter both talk about this, but I think they are talking about our ultimate destiny when we are before the Lord. I don't think we attain perfection. I mean, it's pretty clear here that John is saying we don't attain perfection here in this life. Because if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, right? So you and I, you and I, if we're going to be honest in the light about this passage, have to admit to ourselves that we always have some type of a sin issue. And the sin issue is not about them. The sin issue is about us. Let me make it more personal. The sin issue is about me. That didn't feel very good. The sin issue is about you. No. It's about us individually. Right? Because if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The worst deception, obviously, is self-deception. But it's also the most common deception. You know, I I was thinking about this early this morning. I I shouldn't share with you my early morning thoughts because they're, well, it's the light, right? Okay, I want to get in the darkness on this one. But I was thinking this morning early that, that I'm still under the disbelief that I look like what I look like in my late 30s and early 40s. And then I get in front of a mirror. And it's like, Mike, you're starting to look old. And, and it, it is deflating. But it's also reality, is it not? And, and, and to be open and to be honest about who we are. Talking with someone recently it was about God, and it was like, boy, if, if, if God were me, I don't know if God would, have, would let me into heaven. Now, I know what the Bible says, and I'm not, I'm not discounting any of that at all. I'm just setting that aside for a moment because that was, that I'm, what I'm saying is I'm doing a form of self-examination. Because if I say that I'm without sin, I'm deceiving myself. If you say that you are without sin, you are deceiving yourselves. And often it is that when I sit down, particularly with couples, when, when, they're, when they're trying to work through their issues, often one of the first barriers that we have to break through is they, they now they would never admit this, but they say that they're without sin. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's the kid's fault. It's the neighbor's fault. It's the weather's fault. And, and this idea of, of 
we are called to take ownership of the fact that we are imperfect people. Yes, but we are also imperfect people who are incredibly loved by God. And God is a whole lot more patient with you than you are with yourself. And when I think about that, there's a resistance. Because that means I have to accept something from God in the form of grace. Not that I've actually attained any certain level of spirituality and he's patting me on the back or on the head telling me what a good boy I am. But I have to walk in grace. Unmerited, undeserved favor of God. Because if I say I have no sin, that I'm deceiving myself. It's going to get worse, by the way, in verse 10. But God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Uh, Harv and I were talking the other day, and talking about Facebook. I'm going to go on a Facebook rant. Okay, I'll ask for forgiveness later. But I, I was telling him, I said that people who grab things on Facebook that don't fact check, that don't check out the facts, but something just, just really just eats at them and they grab it and they post it, right? Which we can do really easy, can't we? It's the equivalent of citing Wikipedia in a doctoral dissertation. It doesn't work. Some of you really got that one. Wikipedia is not considered an academic reference, by the way. I remember a friend of mine, he, he, he told me, he, he, I won't tell you which study Bible, but he used the study Bible as one of his references in, the state, in a, a major paper. We were in the same master's program, and when he told me he used that study Bible as a reference, I couldn't stop laughing. It was like, you know better. You're smarter than this. Anyway, um, but, but we do that sometimes with information that we haven't checked out. Because we haven't turned the light on. We haven't turned the light on on that information. If we are ever in a time where it is, it is cloudy and it is dark, I think the current weather kind of reflects the mood spiritually of, the, of this country. If we are ever in a time that uh, of darkness and a lack of understanding and a la- and with it a lack of civility, and lack of consideration and decency, I've said it before, and I didn't want to say it again, but I feel like we're back in the '60s again. And, and a lack of hearing the voices. We've already all made up our minds. And so when we make up our minds, what do we do? It's almost the equivalent of lowering the shades and walking in darkness rather than letting the light expose what is truly going on in the heart of this very depraved society. Because God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 
Therefore, we have been called to walk in the light. As when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Flip that around. If you know that you are walking in the light, then you can be rest assured that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all sin. If you are a person who is being filled with the Holy Spirit, walk Galatians 5, walking in the Holy Spirit, therefore you have this expression of those fruit, singular, of the Spirit in Galatians 5 then you can be assured that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you. The life, the blood represents the life. The life of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all sin. So you have in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, you have this inner, wasn't going to go here, but I'm on it, so I'm going to do it. You have this interplay between light and life. And it, to, to understand First John, it, I think it's important to go to the Gospel from time, Gospel of John from time to time, because I believe that that's uh, one of John's direct references. In in chapter one of John one, it says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." We've covered this quite a bit. I'm not going to take the time to look at it this morning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Jesus is the creator of all this as well. Had a discussion with somebody on, uh, through emails back and forth. Yes, Jesus did create. God the Father created. The Holy Spirit created. I'm not going to take the time to look at all those passages. You can look at them later for your own interest. But what we have here focused on in John chapter 1 is the, the, the primacy of the Word. The Word who was with God. Skip down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and we dwelt among him. We beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. It's a reference to Jesus Christ being the Word of God. And... It says, in him was life. In him, the word, in Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend, or the darkness did not overcome it. In him was life. So it, it is, that is a reference to the fact that Jesus is self-sustaining, self-giving. He is not created the originator of life. It, it, it's an expression, of, again, of his deity. That in him was life. And the life was the light of men. His life was the light of men. Remember, I've talked about this a couple of times already the last two weeks as we're looking through First John, is that we, when we looked at this idea of Jesus Christ last week, remember the eternal life where John Chapter 1, this is why I bring two Bibles, uh, where it says um, in verse 2, and declare to you that eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. Eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. That's a reference to Jesus as well. 
In him was life. It's talking about spiritual life. It's talking about eternal life. It's also talking about our physical life. But his self-sustaining life is the source of our life. Just like he is the eternal life, not only is he the source of eternal life, but he is the essence of eternal life. Does that make sense? See, to me, this is really deep stuff. Uh, of, Of not only do we have salvation and life because of him, but we have salvation and life eternally in him. That means a union. Now, is there always a distinction? Yes. No, we will not get assimilated, all right? That's not what I'm talking about here. This isn't, what was that stupid show? Star Wars? No, it was Star Trek. Thank you. With the Borgs and all that weird stuff, you will be assimilated. I hope they all do. But anyway, um, this isn't assimilation, but there's a sense of unity. There's always a distinction between God and humanity, yes, but there's also this incredible sense of unity. And Peter talks about this idea of the divine nature being given to us. There's always that unity. And we find our life not only from him, but in him. It, it's, 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 a, it's language that is similar to the union that a man and a wife has in marriage. Similar, not the same, similar, okay? But it's this idea of being in Christ. And so the life is the light of men. So how do I walk in the light? I walk in the life that Jesus Christ not only has died and gave himself for me, but provides for me. Does that make sense? See, this is kind of, this is not really easy, clear, cut and dried, although on the surface it reads that way, doesn't it? So if we say we have fellowship with him, that is Jesus, the word, the word of life, eternal life. If we say we have fellowship with him, now we don't, these conditional clauses that are here. Now, remember, the reason for this book, not only is that your joy might be full, verse 4, but the reason why this letter, book, letter, uh, was either way, uh, was written, uh, was because John is addressing false teaching. Okay, false teaching has already crept into the church. For those who say they want to go back to the early first century, it was just as bad then as it is now. God bless you. Go in if you want to go and go in peace. But anyway, um, he's addressing false teaching. And, and so he says, if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. If you say you have fellowship with the light, the source of life, but your lifestyle is walking in darkness, then you're not being honest with yourself. And you're not practicing the truth. This is talking about a lifestyle that basically is habitual toward walking in the things not of the spirit, but habitually walking in the things of the flesh. 
Galatians 5 again outlines that for us. I would suggest that you take a look at that later. The works of the flesh. If these are the things that mark your life and mark your life consistency, then you have to take a look at where you're at. See, these things are written at times to challenge us because at times we need to be challenged. We need to be challenged. If for no other reason than for us just to repent and get right with God and continue on the walk of life in the light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We are not cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ because we walk in the light. We walk in the light because we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what this is actually saying, even though, and thank God for that, because if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit, if it wasn't for the life of Christ, the light that he gives us, I wouldn't be able to walk in the light, neither would you. And some of you, some of us, if we are truly honest, we have trouble doing that anyway, don't we? If we're truly honest. Because if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. And the truth is not in you. That being the case, because we continue to have a sin issue, each and every one of us, each and every day, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This particular sentence is written grammatically in in the Greek present tense, which implies ongoing action. There are different views on this particular verse. Your mileage may vary. I do not believe that this is talking about that time that you received Christ, confessed your sins, asked for Christ to come into your life, and you were born again of the Spirit, according to John chapter 3. I think this is talking about though the Christian who, ongoing, because it's present tense, and you're not saying that you don't have any sin in your life, therefore you are not deceived. Therefore, if you recognize sin in your life, what should you do with it? Confess it. You confess it. And if we confess those sins, he, Jesus, the word of life, the life eternal, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I do not believe that this is talking about that you have to get saved over and over and again. I think once you were born again, you were born again. I think what this is referring to is having a relationship with Christ 
that stays open, that stays clear, that stays pure, that stays undefiled, that the chain of line of communication is not broken. See, it's my opinion. This is how I read the Bible. This is how I interpret that once you're saved, you're saved. All right? Um, some of you I know don't, don't believe that, and that's fine. But what, ha- what I think this is talking about here is this is written to the Christian. This is written against those who are spreading a false doctrine. And what is happening here, what John is describing here, is, is that not that we have to get saved again because of sin, but sin, what happens is it foils the relationship. It disturbs the relationship. I'll give you a great example of this. Particularly when our two sons were little and I would come home from work, they would meet me at the door and, Daddy, Daddy, and they'd come up and give me a hug. Now, I worked rotating shifts, so when I got off a day shift, I could guarantee that was what was going to happen when I walked through the door. Those days that I walked through the door and they weren't there to greet me usually told me that there had been trouble in the house earlier that day. And because of their disobedience to their mom or even to me, there was a break in relationship. Confession of sin restores the relationship. Why? Because when we confess our sin, not only is he faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, but what he does is he resets us. He resets us, what? Toward walking in the light. Toward living and confessing honestly who we are in Christ. Because not only if we say that we have no sin, do we deceive ourselves, but John even goes on to say we make him a liar and his word is not in us. One of the heresies that John is addressing here was this, this exalted state that, that, and it was, there's different views on what this was described, but it was this idea that there was this big split between the spirit and the body, and, and the body was evil. And, and so there were, there were two ways to address the. Thank you. There were two ways to address the body, speaking of that. There were two ways to address the body. Either you lived an extremely ascetic lifestyle, very strict lifestyle, or because the body was evil, it didn't matter, so you did whatever you wanted. So you either went ascetic or total libertine. But because the body doesn't matter, what mattered was your relationship with God in the spiritual sense. And so there were those who were teaching that in the spiritual sense, you could be without sin because what the body does doesn't matter. Now, is that what the New Testament teaches? No. And that's part of what John is doing here to to address this heresy. So, if you believed in that way, thinking that the body didn't matter, so you're completely an ascetic or you're completely a libertine, 
but your relationship with God was totally within the realm of the spirit, the spiritual realm, and therefore you believed you did not have sin, then you were making God out to be a liar. And the truth is not in you. Not only are you deceived, but you're making God out to be a liar. And his word, his word, his logos, his word of life is not in you. In other words, what verse 10 is saying pretty strongly is you've got to revisit whether you're in, fa- you're in fact in the faith. That's what he's saying. So this idea of walking in the light, which at times is very uncomfortable. I remember sitting on my tailgate out in Prineville about four years ago with Bill. We were working together. And it's hot. It must be 150 degrees out there, right? And so it felt, and, and he's enjoying the heat. And I got, I'm like, Bill, I, you know, I want to hang out and have lunch with you. But I... I've got to find the shade, you know? So basically I almost sat in Bill's shade just to, so we could talk. But, but, you know, it was only about 85 degrees, all right? It wasn't 150. It felt like it. When I bring that up, it's because living in the light sometimes is very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable because there are portions in each place in each of our lives, little areas that are cut out, little pie-shaped areas that are cut out in our lives that we prefer to live in darkness rather than in light. And God is calling us to expose the darkness of our own souls so that we might walk in the light of life. Amen? Lord, we confess that if we walk in the light as you were in the light, we would have fellowship with you. And we are so thankful that the blood of Jesus Christ, your son, has cleansed us from all sin. We thank you, Lord, that our salvation is not dependent upon us, but it has been finished by you the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, we recognize again that you desire that we might have life and that more abundantly. That you have called us to walk in the light because it is in the light where you may be able to deal with us and to begin and to continue that work of sanctification in our souls to make us less like ourselves and to make us more like Jesus. And that even at times while that walking in the light feels uncomfortable, it feels hot and it feels exposed, it is part of your process of getting us ready for eternity with you, of growing us up, of making us closer to you. It's part of your blessing. Lord, help us to receive it as such and to allow the Spirit to do the at times uncomfortable work in our hearts
so that we would let our light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify you in heaven. Help us to be patient with ourselves in the same way that you are patient with us. And Lord, lastly, help us to trust you more. To continue to put our confidence in you that we can, we can boldly go before the throne of grace to find grace and mercy in those times of need. So Lord, we, we do confess our sins to you this morning. The sins of omission, the sins of commission, the sins we know about, the sins we don't even recognize. And ask that the light of your life would continue to be shed upon us. And that you would be glorified as we read in Psalm 29 this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we have heard your voice and that you have spoken. And that you continue to speak and continue to draw us to walk in the light. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you guys.